0: Hey, welcome to the Healthful Woman podcast, the fastest-growing podcast in women's health. Today's Monday, December 4th, 2023. Before the podcast, I have something to say about Israel, and I do plan to tie it into women's health, which is, of course, the point of this podcast. On last week's podcast, my intro was out of date, because in the few days leading up to last week's podcast, some of the hostages being held by Hamas were released back to Israel in exchange for the release of criminals— From Israeli prisons. On the one hand, I'm of course very happy that some of the hostages are now back home. On the other hand, it is revolting that people are equating this to a prisoner swap. This is not a prisoner swap. The hostages from Israel were taken by force from their homes by terrorists for doing nothing but living in Israel, whereas the people released from Israeli prisons were criminals who were lawfully charged, tried in a court of law, and convicted of crimes like terrorism, attempted murder, and the like. This was not a trade. It was Israel having no choice but to put their lives at risk again by releasing terrorists just to get their hostages back. These are babies, children, elderly women. It's enough to make you vomit. As a podcast devoted to women's health, where are all the organizations in the U.S. and around the world that are supposedly there to support and defend women's rights, How are they not screaming from the top of their lungs about the crimes against women perpetrated by Hamas? Hamas kidnapped, raped, and murdered innocent women, and it's like nothing happened. Are people so blinded by their hatred of Jews or Israel that they feel it's somehow okay to do this to women if they're living in Israel? It's somehow justified? Is there any other place on earth where this could happen and so many people would simply ignore it or justify it? They should all be ashamed of themselves. These organizations don't truly support women. They only support the women they choose to. It's disgusting. Alright, praying for the safe return of the rest of the hostages and the eradication of Hamas. Turning to today's podcast, last week, we heard part one of Katie Yin's birth story, which was a difficult story, but an important one. Last week, Katie talked about her first pregnancy, which sadly ended with a term stillbirth of her daughter Ellie. Today, Katie's going to tell the story of her next pregnancy, which happily ended with the birth of baby Kai earlier this year. I'm sure you're going to love it. All right, few reminders. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, we would really appreciate it if you could rate this podcast, preferably with five stars. Please do leave comments on Apple and suggestions. I read all of them. Also, please do email us any questions you might have for our Mailbag podcast. You can either email them to hw at healthfulwoman.com, or you can go to our website, www.healthfulwoman.com, and click on the link that says, send us your questions. Also, if you want to pre-order the book Emily Oster and I wrote, The Unexpected, it's coming out in April. We have a link on our website, so please do take a look at that. All right, thank you all for listening. See you all again on Monday. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox, an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Healthful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health, pregnancy, and wellness. Katie, welcome back to the podcast. Nice to see you again, although in real time, it's been six seconds.
1: <laughs> Happy to still be here. Yeah,
0: for our listeners, it's been a week, but you were on the podcast last week where we talked about your birth story of your first pregnancy with Ellie which was unfortunately a stillbirth and we spoke at the time you know about what that was and what that meant and what you went through but i wanted to have a separate podcast to talk about your next pregnancy because that's also a very important story it's a great story obviously i mean you and i know that and our listeners will know shortly but it's just a really important story again because what you go through in your next pregnancy is also not easy. And I think that this is a chance for you to tell your story, a chance for me to hear your story, and for all our listeners to get some flavor of what someone is going through and what's going through their head in the pregnancy after a very difficult Pregnancy. So thank you.
1: Thank you. You said, I think the first time we met you, you you said your next pregnancy is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done, except what you just did, which was lose our first. Yeah. And that definitely proved to be true.
0: Yeah. I frequently tell people, like, it's going to be a disaster. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) yeah. It was good to know. I mean, it was good to be prepared that it was going to be as hard as it was.
0: Yeah. So when we finished last week, we were talking about your birth with Ellie, your recovery, and you were already, you know, right away sort of getting in support groups and trying to hear people's stories. And I my recollection is pretty shortly after your birth, you reached out to me. It was within a month or two. Yeah. It was about a month, I think. Yeah.
1: I I mean before I left the hospital, I was already asking, like, can we try again? Are, are we ever going to be able to do this? Um, how long before we can try again? And there were sort of a lot of open questions about that. So I was really eager to meet with you to hear right. your thoughts on on what the prognosis looked like for us.
0: Okay, so you reached out and we we met and I remember the meeting. so but if you can let our listeners know, sir, what was what was your like prep for that or what were your thoughts about that sort of planning for the next pregnancy and how did it go? on your end. I mean, you, I mean, you know, we get along great. White so you're yeah. <laughs> so you you, you, you want to you can insult me if you want to, it's no problem. <laughs> no, no. I'm, 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 I'm cool with that.
1: I mean, so we had actually had a few meetings, I think at that point with my OB with a, our fertility doctor, because we conceived via IVF and had a few embryos in the freezer. And now we were meeting with you. I, I sort of had two goals and one, was to see if you could give us any insight on what you thought happened to Ellie, in your opinion, after consulting in our case, if you believed that there was a cause of the stillbirth that we had overlooked, because we never f- determined a cause. We still haven't, and we never will, I guess, determine what happened to Ellie. And then the second was to understand your recommendations for moving forward um, with our remaining embryos, whether you thought we had a good chance of having a successful pregnancy in the future, whether there was anything we should be concerned about or a different medical approach that we should pursue. And I I think what was really helpful to both my husband and me was your understanding of what we were experiencing emotionally. And you kind of reflected a lot of that back to us, and that helped us. I don't know i I think it helped us know that you got it and that you knew the intensity of the emotion we were experiencing as the backdrop to whatever decisions we were we were about to make medically so so you sort of reflected that this was the loss of a child that having a new pregnancy and another child wasn't like replacing that that child we had just lost much like you know if god forbid you were to lose a brother You wouldn't say, that's okay. I have another brother. You know, it's it's a horrible thing happened to one child and hopefully you'll have a good outcome with a second child, but it won't sort of erase the loss that's happened. That was helpful for us to hear. And then you also had some reassuring thoughts about how a future pregnancy could go. I think you described what happened to Ellie as getting hit by a bus, which we carried with us for a while, that it was sort of one of these Events that was horrible that can unfortunately happen to almost anybody, but that isn't necessarily likely to recur in a subsequent pregnancy. So that was that was comforting to us, although it was hard for me to carry those those thoughts through my next pregnancy. Yeah,
0: I mean, sometimes we find a cause and sometimes those causes are things that can be addressed in, in the next pregnancy. and. For some people, that gives them comfort because there's something to like do. And for other people, it brings them horrible pain because it. then they say, oh my God, what if we had done that last that's pregnancy? Right. And it, it can go both ways. Most of the times we don't find a cause either because it's not possible to find a cause. Like maybe the tests aren't available or because we just don't understand. Uh, and that's what happens a lot. And again, some people find that comforting because probably it's not something's going to happen again. And other people find that horrifying because maybe there's something lurking and, you know, it's always horrifying obviously. And so, but I will say that in, you know, sadly, I've had a lot of these conversations over my career, just the nature of my job. And I would say the amount that I've learned or that we've advanced medically in the past 15 to 20 years is like nothing. Right. I mean, maybe something, but almost nothing. Whereas what I've learned and I think what a lot of people have learned over the past ten to twenty years, emotionally, psychologically, is remarkable. I mean, again, thank God, I've never gone through a loss like you have. But I have a much better sense of what that means than I did when I started in my career, just just from speaking to people and getting a sense and you know hearing people's stories and just listening, really. it's not it's nothing too complicated. It's really just listening to people. But it's so true. It's just, you know, I always tell people it's it's gonna be a really hard pregnancy. Yeah. And and that's okay. It's supposed to be a hard pregnancy. Like if it weren't hard, like that would be weird. Right. You know, I mean, it's you lost a child. Like it's it's horrible. I mean, there's like no way to process that properly. And then sort of, you know, just from my experience, give people a heads up like what are the things that are gonna be triggering and what are the things that are gonna be, you know, potentially helpful. You know, just just being around the block. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, some people, therapy doesn't work for them, but for many people, it does, obviously. And I know you mentioned on last podcast how you guys sort of felt like it was the two of you as a team. Yeah. It doesn't always work like that. For some couples, this breaks them apart, an event like this. I mean, many couples get closer because of it, and other couples, they just can't process that in the relationship for whatever reason. Yeah. And, I think
1: it can you know. be really hard. And I think there were parts of the pregnancy that were really hard for us as a couple to sort of communicate on. And we we kind of opted out of communicating on some mm-hmm. of the things that we that we went through that I'm sure we'll get to as the conversation <laughs> continues. But uh Yeah, I I think I was really haunted by the fact that we didn't find a cause of of the stillbirth. I felt like I did feel that sense that there was always something lurking and something that I've that I sort of uncovered in therapy is the tremendous pressure that a pregnant person has in sort of being the only one who can really watch the baby, you know, who can. I felt solely responsible, like I, I struggled a lot with the guilt of losing Ellie. What did I miss? What did I not, you know? pick up on, or could I have flagged something, even if it was sort of sub, you know, clinical, could I have picked up on a difference that could have saved her? So even though we didn't have a cause, I still sort of wrestled with the what ifs all the time, still do. And then, you know, proceeding to a second pregnancy, it just really felt like, well, it's all on me. You know, I gotta, I gotta watch this kid, you know, 24 hours a day. And so that was, that was a heavy burden I think for me
0: yeah what was there any hesitation of getting pregnant again
1: yeah I, I I felt worried that it was irresponsible to try to get pregnant again that there was something wrong with me that would put all our children in danger you know th- these are the, the sort of non-medically backed thoughts <laughs> I think that some yeah. people have after going through a stillbirth but and then I was also concerned that I wasn't emotionally ready to do it, which may have been true. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I kind of was also, I couldn't get my mind off it. I was sort Uh of obsessed with it. And I felt like I was um, living paralyzed in time a little bit. I was supposed to become a mother in three days, you know, we lost Ellie three days before my scheduled induction and I came home without a baby. So I just really felt like my life can't move forward until I make this transition I was supposed to make. My life can't move forward until I'm able to bring home a baby or until I know that I can't. The limbo was really difficult for me, so I felt mm-hmm. I felt like I, I just got to do this and I got to do it ASAP to the point that I was talking to my fertility doctor. He said I could do a transfer about three months after my delivery, an embryo transfer. So I was asking him if we could start the, the medications for the transfer two weeks before so that I could do right. the actual transfer on the, the day yeah. three months after. He was kind of like, no, you you need to (laughs) slow your roll. You can wait an extra two, three months and two weeks. It's not a big deal. Like Mm -hmm. I was, I was very wanting to be aggressive.
0: Okay. And so ultimately you did get pregnant, obviously. And was it, was the fear and sort of all the emotions, did you find that it hit you right away when you were pregnant or did it sort of? start out pretty low because that's not when you had your issue and sort of build up.
1: I think the latter. I think mm-hmm. it was, I, I, if anything, it sort of muted the excitement about being pregnant again. It was sort of like, OK, right. great, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. Right. We were we were all, all sort of holding our breath, I think, about how this pregnancy would go. And it just unfortunately, in the process of seeking out support, which is so important and and has been one of the best things I've been able to do, you hear about everyone's terrible story, all the many, many things that can go wrong during a pregnancy, all the, you know, early losses and second trimester emergencies. And then of course, third trimester events like ours. And so you're just kind of there, the expectation that we were necessarily going to bring home a baby was not really there when we got our positive pregnancy test, but we were hopeful.
0: Right. And then it wasn't that helpful that we threw you for a loop at the what was the first visit yeah, in our office? Yeah,
1: so it was just supposed to be good job, MFM yeah. Associates. Yeah. <laughs> it was just supposed to be the the pregnancy confirmation. Hello, yeah, you know, here we are, and we're happy to be here. And I I, I think I was eleven weeks, and so I was just doing a heartbeat confirmation scan. And the tech said, "Well, do you want to just do your NT scan while right. you're here?" And I was like, "Oh, good, get get another anxiety off my back. Like, yeah. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it all while we're here." And the next thing I know, Dr. Fox is rushing into the room and and asking to take another look at the scan, which is never what you want to see. <laughs> you never, never
0: want to see me. That's bad news. Yeah. But yeah, that was a little bit of a scare. I uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, we all knew the situation, you yeah. know, on the yeah. ground, so yeah. to speak, and that this was kind of baseline, you know, not your, not your typical level of anxiety. Yeah. And so coming exactly. in with anything is not going to be, received well <laughs> right
1: so yeah so, <laughs> so to speak the news that our nt scan was i guess abnormal or yeah. elevated yeah um that, right. that not was...
0: definitive, not definitively bad but just like we need to investigate further
1: yeah and um my husband you know unfortunately was running late for the scan so he wasn't even there and then he had this spooky sense that if he misses a scan we get horrible news so he, yeah he felt you know that was his share of the guilt, I think, yeah, okay. uh, of, of what was going to happen. So it, you, you sat us down and, and talked to us about the realities that we were facing, which were hard, because it's like you said, uncertain. It's right. We could be looking at a serious issue with the pregnancy. We could be looking at a minor issue with the pregnancy or no issue, hopefully. But the chances of an issue seemed to be great, or at least significant. And I remember I the the question that was most on my mind is, am I going to come for another scan and find that there's not a heartbeat again in another pregnancy after what we've just been through? And like your very quick response was like, unfortunately, there's a high chance of that in the next couple of months. And right. that was really difficult for me to sit with, and yeah. for my husband too. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's hard. I just, yeah, what are you gonna you know what are you gonna say? Yeah, it's, it's, no, it was um, terrible.
1: And uh, you know, the thing with a stillbirth, a pregnancy after stillbirth is like I, I feel like a lot of people's experiences. Uh, is that it gets harder as you go. Mm-hmm. But this early part of the pregnancy is kind of chill. Yeah. And that well, it normally
0: would be right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so that happened to yeah. not be the case for us. And I, I was really, really worried each week. I think I started coming in for weekly scans. because yeah. I was so anxious that yeah. we were going to have a loss.
0: Yeah, no, I remember. I, mean, I remember that day and the tech coming in and telling me that, you know, one of the patients has a, a thick nuchal. And I was like, you know, and I was like, you know, not happy about it. Obviously, I'm like, oh, okay. And then I pull up the images. And I'm like, Katie? I was like, yeah. oh. and I was like, oh crap. I was like, oh my God. I was like, you I like this is not, I can't believe like yeah. this poor thing. I was I like, know. oh my God.
1: We felt the same way. We yeah. were just like, are yeah. we the unluckiest people or or is there something yeah. wrong with like I was genuinely yeah. concerned? Is it yeah. something with our embryos? Is it something yeah. with me? What's yeah. happening?
0: Yeah. But the testing was all normal yeah thank god everything yeah. went so we okay did a, CV, and, a quick cbs yeah.
1: and um yeah. we it took you know a month to get full results back right. and then an, an anatomy right. scan to prove there weren't any other right. defects and that was like that it was a torturous month or so six yeah. weeks
0: yeah and then we were already planning at some point around that time meaning it takes weeks to months to sort of you never know 100 percent that everything's going to be okay with that nuclear situation but you know, mostly, but it takes a while to get that because you have to do the CVS, do the anatomy, echocardiogram. So you are talking, you are twenty weeks till you sort of can feel that it's predominantly behind you, right? But that was sort of the time we were going to start picking up visits, anyways, for you. Right. So you really, we got to see a lot of you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how many visits I had. It felt like I was living here practically.
0: It, it was a lot. I was at I was at a, in a an event recently. It was a bat mitzvah, and the the mother got up and said. You know, my grandmother is here and she just had, you know, it's amazing that she's here and she just had a birthday and I don't want to tell you how old she is, but it's three digits. So I feel like I counted how many visits you had and I don't want to say how many it was, (laughs) i know it's three digits but we're getting there yeah
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that it it wouldn't surprise me right it was a lot
0: but you guys are remarkably pleasant so it's you know (laughs) it was it was it
1: was all good we tried i didn't i didn't feel so pleasant the whole time but uh.
0: no you weren't unpleasant you were worried you were you were just you were anxious you were worried you weren't you know you didn't lash out or anything like that and even (laughs) if you did that's okay like you can you know however you process it you process it but you were no you guys were just understandably worried
1: worried Um, yeah
0: and you know, looking for whatever reassurance you can get. And that's, I mean, that's why we're here. I mean, that's, I'm sure I told you like, we're here every day, you know, right. whatever. Just, right. you know. No, and we felt yeah. really
1: supported. And I think that was the best, well, obviously the superior medical care was the best part of yeah. seeing you guys. It, but it's, it's,
0: it's, we didn't, we just watched basically. Yeah. I don't think we actually did anything.
1: Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> Mentally, I mean, we did a CVS, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, it's it's <laughs> right. it's, it's support.
0: I and mean, it's it's mostly right. it's mostly psychology.
1: Yeah. And you know, visits, that, talks. That, that's the big I don't know. I mean, it, it would have been really hard, hard for me to get to the end if I didn't feel sort of supported and and being able to ask for help, I think, when I needed it.
0: Yeah, I get it. So what during the pregnancy, other than coming for visits, were you doing for support? you know, on the outside, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I was in there. I mean, therapy was helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And I was in, you know, now I'm doing trauma therapy. At the time, it was really just white knuckle. It survived yeah. the pregnancy. What are you dealing with on a day-to-day basis? And how can mm-hmm. we make those symptoms better? Mm-hmm. After about, I think, 24-ish weeks, mm-hmm. it, it meant medication. So mm-hmm. I, I I contacted you and said, I'm really like, I, I sort of hit a, a little bit of a not unexpected crisis point around, fetal movement time like when kick counts kind of can become a thing I really started to lose my mind like I I don't even know if I shared this with you at the time I there was a point in the pregnancy when I didn't feel like I could sleep lying down I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like I could lie down at all so I slept kind of propped up sitting you know 90 degrees with pillows because that was the way I could feel the baby the best I don't think you told me
0: that I was actually literally just about to ask you my next question was going to be, were you able to sleep at night?
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> the answer yeah, is no. Yeah. I, I have slept infinitely more since having the baby yeah, you're and the having only one. a newborn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's been a relief. So, yeah, I, I think I didn't get more than a two-hour stretch of sleep continuously since hitting that 24 week mark so there was obviously when you're not sleeping mm-hmm. at all there's a time when you just start to break down so I had to let my work know I also by the way started, I started I think I was on my third day of work at a new job when I found out I was pregnant that my transfer had been successful so in the midst of all this I'm in a new job with new bosses who are luckily extremely understanding I had to reach out to them and say like look my pregnancy is going okay but I'm having a real mental health sort of moment. And, you know, I need some time to work on this. And I sort of said, whatever you need. I took a day off. I reached out to you. I said, how do we feel about medication? I think you had mentioned it early on that it could be a possibility. So I, I connected with a perinatal psychiatrist and went on Zoloft. And I think that was helpful in kind of taking the edge off gradually. Because, you know. Yeah. It takes some time. It takes some time. Yeah. And 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 just feeling that I had the support and knowing that there were things that we could do to to help the anxiety, knowing that really nothing would take it away until we delivered a healthy baby. What Um, about
0: family and friends?
1: I really I was just talking to somebody about this. I really kind of withdrew in a major way. I think I didn't even tell if I wasn't seeing people regularly. I stopped seeing them when I was pregnant and I didn't tell anybody that mm-hmm. I was pregnant until yeah. after Kai was born. So my coworkers knew. So they became like actually like unusual lifelines, like more right than I think one would normally lean on coworkers, especially in a new job. Uh they became like a major support system for me. So forever grateful to them. And my family knew about the pregnancy, but I had a really hard time talking about it. And at the sort of pressure I felt a, a Irrational sense after losing Ellie that I had let a lot of people down who were really excited about this baby. Wow. That was my feeling of guilt. Obviously, it wasn't my fault. I didn't let anyone down. This horrible event happened to everybody. But sort of carrying that through to the next pregnancy, I felt a lot of pressure that no one was putting on me to to get her here, to get Kai here safely, to get him here safely. And I think it was hard for me to feel people's excitement, to feel people's optimism and hope that I didn't necessarily share. Cause I, I wasn't, I was struggling to admit that this pregnancy could go well. And so I really I wasn't able to talk about it that much.
0: Yeah. And as you said, you, you sort of felt that this is all on you, right? That this is like, whether this works or not is somehow under your control.
1: Right. Which is, is flawed, but it's natural. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: not, the, these aren't, these aren't, I mean, It's not that they're irrational thoughts, but they're not meant to be rational. It's emotional, right? Right. It's just what you feel. It's like guilt, right? Like rationally, you have nothing to be guilty about, of course, but you're going to feel guilty because you feel guilty. Like that's just, it's an emotion. It's like, you know, it's like sadness. You just, you don't, you feel it. You don't choose to feel it. You just feel it.
1: Exactly. And it's,
0: it's the same way. Yeah. So, okay. So the medication started, took the edge off a little bit. Were you doing like. Talk therapy as well?
1: Talk therapy as well. And so it's cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of it's not like, you know, psychoanalysis where we right. talk about your your family and right. you know, where we, we know where my pain is coming from. Yeah. We were sort of dealing with strategies, you know, breathing exercises, things like that. I I had when I had a panic attack, which happened in the middle of the night frequently, mm-hmm. uh, I I would get an ice pack and put it on my face and just sort of calm, you know. Quickly calm my nervous system down a little bit. I, I don't think that's medical. Quickly nope. <laughs> uh, relax that's, my that's, body a that's little medical. bit. medical. Yeah. If and, it works, uh, it's medical. Okay. Yeah. So it, it was strategies like that to try to, any any period of low lower fetal movement mm-hmm. was likely to trigger like panic symptoms in me for mm-hmm. the entire, I don't know, second half of the pregnancy. So
0: if you're able to describe, what do you think it was like for Frank? going through this because you said, you know, last time with the birth, he's just focused on you. He's like, I need you to get through this because he's just, you know, he sees you and he's like, oh, my God, like she has to go through all this. Yeah. Was it the same or was he having his own processing? and you know, guilt and all these things?
1: I think it's a good question. We should talk about it more. <laughs> I think that would probably be <laughs> you, a healthy, You and he should talk about it more? Yeah, okay. I think that would hopefully probably Frank, be here a you go. <laughs> important exercise. Schedule and don't some get time. Ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, my observation was mm-hmm. that he sort of, uh, much like he didn't want to talk to a lot of people about losing Ellie right away, he kind of threw himself into other things during mm-hmm. our pregnancy. And I think that was that was healthy for him and that was what you know uh, there wasn't much that anyone could say to me or do for me except support me and and what I ended up doing, which was going to labor and delivery all the time. um, (laughs) Not pushing back against me on that was probably the most helpful thing, you know, he could have done as a supportive partner. So besides that, I think he just kind of tried to keep it moving. And we were both sort of just trying to hang on until the end. He was a little more optimistic and comforted by statistics than I was. Mm -hmm. There was pretty much nothing anyone could tell me that would convince me that this was going to end well.
0: Yeah that was my impression yeah
1: too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think that the only wise thing that I really did was give you my email <laughs> and just say you know what just just email me yeah like it's because because yeah, I, 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 I and there was there was no this is just who you were like this it I said yeah. you know and, and you were uh, appropriately not relying on my email for medical decisions because you know you'd say like we're on our way to the hospital. Just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Cool." You yeah. know,
1: <laughs> I was saying earlier, uh, before we started this, that there was a period of time when I was like too embarrassed to email you. That I, was I didn't going notice to the that. Hospital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure not.
0: We 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 email frequently, which yeah. is good. I, I listen. I I I wouldn't give it to you right if you couldn't email me right. right. And so I I it was good for me to know that you were in the hospital a lot. Yeah. Also, it gives it gives me an opportunity to let them know
1: uh-huh. you know
0: to give them a heads up like to call the labor floor say okay coming here's a story yeah like, you know
1: <laughs> just situation. just you know
0: just so they know because otherwise it's it's you know they don't know your backstory they don't right. know what's going on and they're going to be like why like she was a here two days ago like yeah, what's the deal what's and so on? and right. so to give context and you know, Fortunately, with the context, everyone in this world gets it, Right. but you need that context. Right. But yeah, you. in addition to all the offices, it's the Mount Sinai, I got a chance to know you well.
1: Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> I think it, it must have been once a week or more during mm-hmm. my third trimester. That, mm-hmm. And it was always in the middle of it. I think there was one yeah. time that I went in the evening because I felt a movement that seemed a lot like Ellie's last movement. Uh, yeah. And then nothing again. And I was 100% sure that the same thing happened again. I actually, they actually didn't find a heartbeat on the Doppler when I got to the hospital. And that, you know, was horrible, but it was, it was just a Doppler issue. Not (sighs) a, not a, as soon as they put me on a monitor, everything was fine, but that was a horrible day. Mm.
0: Did you Um, consider the home Doppler?
1: I so a lot of conversation about the home Doppler. Yeah, because
0: I was going to say that's the reason we don't like the home Doppler for that exact reason. But exactly.
1: I so actually, I haven't even admitted this to her yet, but a (laughs) friend in my support group just went ahead and mailed me her Doppler at some point during Mm -hmm. the pregnancy. And it's still sitting untouched in my closet. I, I couldn't bring myself to use it because. I think some people use Dopplers because they want reassurance that things are okay. I was fully convinced every time I went to the hospital that things were not okay. So I didn't want to be the one to figure out that things were not okay. I wanted to hand that off to somebody else. So too hard for me to use the Doppler.
0: It's, I mean, you're describing such a, I mean, such a painful pregnancy that every day, every week, every whatever, you feel like you lost a baby again.
1: Yeah. And you're basically going
0: through that trauma that you had with Ellie daily, weekly, whatever right. it is for a short amount of time, that's, oh my God, you poor thing. It was really hard. It was yeah. really
1: hard. And I've, I've talked about the second pregnancy as sort of its own little trauma in yeah. a way, even though it ended as happily as could possibly be.
0: Yeah. So let, let's get to that yeah. because I, I'm. it's, you know, we have to. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell me about that last week.
1: So this was, and I'm probably going to give you more context now than mm. maybe you had at the time too. Mm-hmm. So. But maybe not maybe i shared all this we were looking forward to a 37 week induction 37 right. plus zero it was scheduled for wednesday april 6th at midnight my induction with ellie had also been it was for 39 weeks but mm. wednesday at midnight right same deal right and we lost her monday morning or right that was when we found right. out we didn't have a heartbeat so right. for the
0: record I remember every single one of these details okay, just it. so Thank you know you. Yeah, to, the, sure. to the minute to the date to the day of the week <laughs> Got it. like 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 yesterday okay. so yeah okay, so, so this I is for our listeners yes. yes
1: okay <laughs> so i knew that that monday before the wednesday was going to be really hard because it, it, even though it wasn't the same gestational age Mm -hmm. it just felt like similar circumstances so yeah i loaded myself up with distractions i made an appointment for a biophysical which we had had twice a week uh, leading up to this point and i think i scheduled one for every day that so for the Mm -hmm. monday the tuesday and maybe even the wednesday before Mm -hmm. i was admitted and so i i had a, a breakfast scheduled with a friend Then I was supposed to go straight to a therapy appointment, like a well-timed therapy appointment on that day. And then my COVID test for my induction and my biophysical. So I went to the breakfast and I'm sitting at the breakfast and I'm not feeling the baby move and I'm panicking and I'm trying to say, okay, this is just the day. Like you knew this was gonna be hard. Just talk to your friend and get through it. And so I, I tried to distract myself. I tried to not be poking the baby every five seconds. I ordered an orange juice i felt the baby move occasionally so i knew it wasn't you know the mm-hmm. worst but i was very very anxious i got in the taxi to go to my therapy appointment and i i just couldn't take it anymore so i told the taxi to turn around and go to 90th and madison and called you guys while i was on the way and said like something's really wrong i can't stand this and i think i was on standing on the corner outside your office at the time and they said okay like how soon can you be here and i was like well <laughs> i live right around the court like i was trying not to confess that i was already <laughs> waiting outside for them to tell me to come in right now but they basically said you can come in right now a very nice doctor did not one but two biophysicals back to back to make sure i we really hit all the criteria for a healthy baby and healthy pregnancy everything was okay so i kind of took a deep breath and went to my covid test and i just it, 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 everything was just off. Like I could not shake that the baby didn't feel right. I didn't feel well. Movements were really, really off. Like I wasn't feeling any spontaneous movements. I, I could kind of feel him when I poked him, he would sort of poke back, but it was really, really different to where I was like, okay, I know I'm crazy and call all the time, but like, this is a real one. Like right. I, I know that this is really different than usual. And so I went, I think I had, I, I wanted to keep the original biophysical appointment I had. So I, I went, I walked down the block to Mount Sinai, got my COVID test and basically came back to the office and said, I'm just going to sit here in the waiting room until my scheduled appointment today. And they said that was totally fine. I think they thought that, you know, what, what's wrong with this person who's camped out in our waiting room?
0: No one thought that, but Yeah. <laughs>
1: And at some point, I mean, I was just, I'm sure it was not helpful that I was just sitting there assessing fetal movement constantly, but I, I just was only focused on the baby and how the baby was moving. And at a certain point, I just started to cry in the waiting room and I haven't cried like, I'm not a crier. I didn't cry when we found out we lost Ellie, like until I think after I held her, I didn't cry after the NT scan. I didn't cry when my husband proposed to me or during our wedding. Like I, I, that that's not usually my reaction. I just kind of couldn't keep it in anymore. I there was not. I was doing everything that I could do, and nothing was making me feel better or getting rid of this emergency sense that something was wrong with this baby. So a, a very nice receptionist kind of said, "Is is everything okay? <laughs> like is there anything we can do for you?" And I was quickly whisked back into like an NST machine and still everything looked fine. But you and a couple of the other doctors who were there said, look, we're, we're talking. I mean, you, you might have, you will have better insight into this, but the kind of the message I got was we just talked about it. And what do you think about going to the hospital to, to like start the process now instead of two days from now?
0: Yeah. Basically I pulled rank. I said, <laughs> I said, that's it. This is, she's, and I said, this is it. this is the end of the rope. I said, yeah. we are, I mean, I, I was like, we're going to lose you. Like, you're just going to, yeah. you know, I, I mean, there's only so much one human being can, can handle. Take. And you, <laughs> you were a real trooper. I, listen, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I, in a million years, never expected you to get to that Thursday
1: yeah. to be induced.
0: <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's a, I, I thought it was almost a miracle that we got you to 36 plus weeks. Yeah, Because, you know, we don't want to deliver 34 weeks and you're really like, you know, premature baby, this right. or that. So we were hoping for 37, but I was pretty confident. And especially just knowing that this concept of having a finish line and losing a baby a few days before the finish right. line, was not going to go well. Right. And so when it's Monday and they're like, Katie is losing it. She's yeah. just breaking down. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that seems about right. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, the that, that timing seems perfect. And I was like, that's it. Like, yeah. what, what are we doing? Three days, two days here? Yeah. I said, like, that's it. Go to the hospital. Yeah. Like, you know, because once you're there and the baby's being monitored continuously, it's like, all right, this is happening. Yeah. You know, and- I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have a baby. Right. right?
1: And that's like, that was what i needed was the monitor right
0: the alternative is that we could have literally just parked you in the hospital for three straight days i said like well she's not gonna be able to sleep she's not gonna take a shower i said like that's not gonna work because if that were gonna work sending her home would also work
1: right right so i said
0: that's it like there's just no way we can get past this and so we're like that's it you know whatever
1: we're we're inducing let's do it um which i've i've Never been more grateful. I read you and I exchanged emails when I was on my way in, and you were basically like, "You, you did it. You're going to have a baby." And yeah. I was like, "I don't know." I in the much like I couldn't process the pain of learning that we'd lost Ellie. It was really difficult for me to process the joy, but it was there.
0: Yeah. So I had the labor go
1: great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another um, Ellie gift, as I call them, is learning about the early epidural, yeah. so I did that again. <laughs> yeah. I started the epidural before we did anything, right. and it was good. I mean, so like, it was like the hard part was sort of was getting to there. Yeah. And and so once I could be in the hospital with a monitor on, I mean, I was staring at the monitor sure. every I'm, second. it's we there. Yeah.
0: Continuous feedback.
1: Yep. Yeah, And and by the way, like Kai did fine during yeah. labor. There was no sign that there was actually anything wrong with him. So nope, I, nope. I don't know what that was. I mean, it was just trauma. That you know, but was feeling. listen,
0: I always say this, we, we don't know everything from everything. When stillbirths are unexplained, we assume that it's for reasons that are not going to recur, but we don't know that. I mean, like we don't know 100%. And right. so part of the reason we deliver early is just, again, for like, you know, just have pity on you like because right. it's just so <laughs> just, painful to go and again right. in, in a real way it's so painful to go through it and part of it is because honestly we we don't know like i can't tell someone 100 percent that it was a fluke I, I mean i think that's what it was but how confident do i have to be 99 i mean like that's you know it's still not perfect and so i don't know like maybe there was something going on we there's no way to know obviously i mean i can tell you i know this is your birth story but that birth was one of the best of my life <laughs> no i mean I, I was like and i remember i saying there's no way i'm missing this birth there's uh, like no chance i was like, talking yeah. i had
1: a uh, doula with me for the sure, labor which sure, is great sure um, i remember yeah and yeah. she was the best yeah. and i was talking that was like, also
0: a good suggestion yeah, well, yeah she was she's a rock yes, star yeah. she was
1: amazing <laughs> she was your suggestion and yeah she was incredible so she and i were talking and i think i was i think you probably told me that for my scheduled induction date like oh shoot i'm not the one who's on You know, I'm I'm not going to be there, but uh, whichever doctor is going to deliver you, and you'll be fine. And so I said, okay, you know, we'll miss you, but great. Yeah. And so I was yeah, I was pretty much lying to you, right? Yeah, (laughs) right. So I was the moment you walked into the hospital room, I was having a conversation with Julie, where I was like, Doctor Fox can't be here, and you know, I'm kind of bummed about it, but it's fine. And then in you strolled, uh, yeah, a nice surprise, and you were kind of like, let's have a baby, and I was like, no, no, I'm. Hours away from that, and then I think you lifted the gown and said, "Well, there's the head. So <laughs> let's get going."
0: Yeah, no, I remember because Spiegelman was there, and I sat there. I said, "You better call me in." I was like, "I'm coming <laughs> yeah. from anywhere." You know, um, it's like that's there's. I mean, uh, please. I invested a lot of I invest a lot of time and effort into this pregnancy. Right, you you know, it. it's not just hard for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: no, but it was. I mean, now that I told my story, what was what was what was that moment like? I mean, do you was it a fog?
1: Or was it clear? I I, I mean, it was, it was a fog. Mm -hmm. I just, I know Frank and I kept looking at each other and saying like, it's so different from last time, which is like a ridiculous thing to say, because Mm -hmm. of course, in every way it was different, but it was just like the joyfulness, the noise, like the, the absence of sound was a, a very haunting part of our first delivery. And, but it was, you know, it was appropriate. Yeah. And right. I'm full of sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so having, you know, and w- there were teeny things with the baby we were a little bit worried about, but like your attitude was just so positive and like, this is great. The best thing happened. It's, it's going to yeah. be fine. Enjoy this moment was what we were able to kind of live in, which was a gift. So, it was, I, I think I pushed, what, one and a half times or something. Maybe.
0: I mean, mine was like the easiest birth ever, you know, <laughs> like a dream a dream come true for me.
1: Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, as childbirth goes, I think it was great. and And we got to spend a while with Kai. And eventually, he was taken to the NICU because he had some mild transition issues. But yeah. honestly, for a stillbirth mom, the yeah. NICU is like yeah. the best thing. I mean, not to yeah. minimize because obviously yeah. people are in the NICU for no, you really, like my kid's, wa- my kids being watched. My
0: kids being watched by a someone hawk. other yeah. than me
1: for the yeah. first time. You know, yeah, like mar- two yeah. years I'm monitoring babies yeah. all by my, you know, not all by myself, yeah. but like you know what I mean. Yeah. So to to be able to send somebody to be able to send him somewhere where they're monitoring every breath and heartbeat was. Fine. <laughs> I was not uh, upset about the brief NICU visit. So
0: amazing. So looking back now, what are your thoughts at all this?
1: I mean, I think what we've been through has changed me in every way. I think it's made me a more patient parent to Kai. I think it's made me more understanding of like human pain. Honestly, the, mm-hmm. the knowledge that everyone has a story, everyone's story is hard and deserves sort of patient support and attention. I have closer look at my mental health and mental health care than I think <laughs> I've ever had before in my life and I know how important that is as part of a medical picture too, I think, to make mental health a priority and I think that was one of the most important parts of the treatment plan that we worked out that you know, mental health was At the forefront in terms of pursuing therapy and pursuing medication but also like allowing these reassurance visits and biophysicals and things like that that just helped me to get from one milestone to the next with some kind of i wouldn't say sanity but functioning yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) and how's kai doing now
1: he's great he's probably tearing up my apartment as we speak Mm -hmm. he just learned to crawl yesterday he's just like in every way i know every parent says this but in every way the best part of our lives. And, you know, we are so, we feel so privileged even in the middle of the night, you know, even during a, a cold or a diaper blowout. Like mm-hmm. we are so grateful in every moment that we have him and that he's here.
0: It's amazing. Thank you so much for telling your story, your stories to podcasts. Really, it's, I said it last time, i so, it's not easy to do. And it's so valuable to me and to our listeners just to hear your thoughts on going through those two pregnancies and it's really helpful. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to do it. I know it's not easy.
1: Thank you for having me. It's healing to talk about. And, you know, again, to debrief with your own doctor, it's (laughs) it's a privilege. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the healthful woman podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www.healthfulwoman.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-W-O-M-A-N.com. If you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address, please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com. Have a great day. The information discussed in Healthful Woman is intended for educational uses only. It does not replace medical care from your physician. Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan.